This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In March 2009, the S&P 500 bottomed at the astonishing level of 666. As I speak now, it's above 2,870. And this week, it achieved a milestone in US stock market history, the longest ever bull run. In other words, a market that was up over 20% from its low and didn't correct to below 20% from whatever level it was. I think that's the way to describe it. To confirm or deny that is Michael Spinks, who's co-head multi-asset growth at Investec Asset Management in London. It's been an astonishing time since March 2009, Michael. It has been exceptional. As you say, I think it's the equal longest alongside the 90 to 2000 bull market taking that March 2009 start date. And it's been incredible run over 300% rise. So in duration terms, certainly equal. It's not quite as great as that 1990 to 2000 run in magnitude, which I think was a little over 400%. So maybe we've still got another 100% or so to go till we get to those lofty heights. Yes, indeed. But given what's going on at the moment, as we speak late on a Friday afternoon with the new Fed chair, relatively new Fed chair speaking at Jackson Hole, he's obviously telling the world some soothing words. Maybe he's been chastised by Mr. Trump. Let's not speculate on that for now. Maybe that is for later. But let's go back to 2009, March 2009. Market on its knees, the S&P 500 at 666, as I said, that uh, very enigmatic number. And it was almost pricing the world and the corporate world and the world's economies for failure. But of course, from then on in, up we went. Was it all to do with quantitative easing? I think there's no doubt that very low levels of interest rates have encouraged risk-taking, have pushed people along the risk curve into credit, where usually they would have owned government securities or or cash, and into equity. And we've clearly seen companies take advantage of those very low levels of interest rates and free-flowing credit markets to buy back their own shares. But it's also been a time of very strong earnings growth, you know, and companies have delivered up to now record margins at, at the average level. And they've, you know, they've grown their revenues very strongly. So I think it, you know, it has genuinely also been driven by earnings growth in the S&P to the end of this quarter. There was up about 25% over the past year, the strongest year since 2010. So it hasn't all been just monetarily driven. The the companies themselves have, have also been delivering, and that's what's driven the re-rating of a lot of these shares from those, as you say, levels that were previously on their knees. Has the S&P, though, become a fragmented animal? In other words, there's certain giants that are driving the S&P, and there's a few that are doing okay, and then there's a few laggards. Is it similar to, for example, the JSE Securities Exchange, which is dominated by two, three, four stocks? Is the same situation prevailing now in the S&P 500 and becoming more pronounced, more polarised? Yeah, certainly you've seen that I mean, this year in particular. So the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix... Google stocks, you know, they there has been a much narrower market over the past year in particular. I think if you take those five companies out of the return for the first half of this year, it would have been only 0.6% up rather than the 2.6% up that we had. So yeah. it's it's certainly affected and has been a much narrower index. And has, that's certainly been a feature of this market with increased concentration. And I think those five companies are now about 12% of the S&P. 
Yes, indeed. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The key question now is, Michael, where to from here? I've read lots of comments about the fact that a bull market doesn't die of old age, and it's certainly not looking as though it's going to die because of the lack of economic growth or the lack of corporate earnings growth. No, it's been a, I think the point about you know economic growth, and we compare that to the equity market, it, it's been a, a long run of economic growth, but it's actually been quite weak in terms of its magnitude compared to it to other cycles. So it is a cycle that's certainly getting long in the tooth, but I don't think that's going to be something in terms of recession that's likely to upset things. I mean, that divergence in equity returns and economic growth has been one of the drivers behind the rise of populism. And that political backdrop is something that uh, is certainly an increased risk to markets. We've seen increased use of sanctions. So, you know, particularly by the states, you know, I think that's big. Rather than going for military wars, they're obviously taking on trade wars. So that, you know, we understand that is a key risk to markets. I think the changing liquidity environment, and you mentioned quantitative easing as being such a strong driver behind the market returns over the past 10 years. You know, the changing liquidity environment, um, interest rates going up in the States, you know, you're going to be getting 2.5% uh, on dollar cash by by the end of the year. So there are there are certainly factors at work that mean that it's a much more uncertain world than it has been for some time. Volatility on the S&P, of course, is still flat on the floor. So it's uh, you know so so hedges are still relatively relatively cheap. Just quickly look at the economy if we can now, because there are two different economies here. There's the Wall Street economy, which I like to characterise it as, and there's the real economy in the United States of America. And you've got wage growth, I think, at the last figure from the Labour Department. Wage growth, I think, across the board was 2.7%, no, 2.8% year on year, excuse me, and inflation was running at 2.7%. So essentially, we've got flat wage growth, uh, real wage growth. And at the same time, house prices aren't doing so well. So it's not as if... Everybody in America is jumping through hoops and uh, snapping sugar lumps off their nose because they're so happy. Uh, it's certainly been a feature of this recovery that that, and, and it's reflected in corporate margins that the, you know, on average, wages have been absent in the recovery. So unemployment, you know, around the four percent level, all time all time record lows, but the quality of that employment is is not as high as it's been in previous recoveries. So the the broader participation, I think, this again comes through to that rise of populism across. You know, not just in the states but elsewhere, is certainly a feature of this recovery. So I've seen a fairly sharp rise in terms of of inequality. Yes, inequality is a worldwide phenomenon. In the United States of America, very different though. Mr. Trump is uh, lauding the fact that his tax cuts have been one of the reasons that the S&P has done so well over the last year and a half. But of course, it's done well for the last, well, since March 2009, as I said in my introduction. What about the future now? Is it, I mean, apart from the long in the tooth aspect of the bull market, is there anything that sort of flashes red for you? I think if you look at company earnings and profitability, it, it remains, it does remain pretty strong. And I think for in terms of what can continue to push the equity market further is the continuation of that and companies essentially getting over the risks of things like trade and, and potential tariffs and continue to deliver the profits growth uh, is certainly a positive. And I think the other potential upside risk to markets would be for the Fed to step away from their rate increases. You know, we've got an assumption in the market of, of two further rate rises this year and one next year. And as they uh, undo the impact of quantitative easing and, and start to change the amount of liquidity in the system through that method, you could well see that provide another impetus to the market. On the downside, as you say, we've got tax effects um, that have undoubtedly boosted profits and, and have helped 
consumption over the past year. And I think we have got the trade wars that the market has largely ignored, absent a few currency moves, but the trade wars have largely been ignored. Yes. And in the political environment and the liquidity environment is obviously something that could well impact markets. So it's not a world without risk. Equally, I think that there is a, a fairly bearish consensus and, and not a great deal of conviction in higher markets. So, and that's been the case for quite some time, but largely sort of valuation-based. And so uh, the consensus could well be surprised by further raises. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Because this has been characterised as the market, or rather the bull market, that is the least loved in history, and yet it's the longest in history. Can it go on, do you think? You presented a fairly good case, but on the other hand, people and people that I've spoken to at Investec Asset Management in London have said that maybe a recession in 2019, 2020, and then things could grind to a halt. But it seems to me that that's a year, year and a half away. Yeah, that's exactly. We we do see risks. We do see risks further out on that horizon. And I think you know we've also upped the downside case, you know, to, to some of our forecasts. Partly because we do see, you know, risks of fiscal impetus in the U.S. coming out of the growth profile, and also the way that clearly some emerging markets have been impacted by trade and by slower growth outside of the U.S. But it seems difficult to see a, a, an imminent recession on the horizon given that interest rates, although going up, are still relatively low uh, and growth seems to still have in general a fairly positive impetus behind it. Michael, thank you very much for your time. That's Michael Spinks. Michael is the co-head of multi-asset growth at Investec Asset Management in London. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorised financial services provider.